Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, almost fully vaccinated, almost just on Wednesday. <laughs> Today, my returning guest is Jody Hamilton. I always try to keep these intros short. I do have a tier on Patreon that allows listeners to listen ad-free and with a much shorter intro, so stay tuned for that. But the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep this show going, and thank you to everyone who supports the show. I'm so grateful. And if you do enjoy today's show, take a look at the About page. Check out some of my past guests. You'll see that most of the time I have conversations about politics, although occasionally I do interview actors about their craft because I used to be one. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. I do two free shows a week, every Monday and Wednesday, and then they are followed by patrons-only shows called What's Up with me, Kimberly Johnson. Talk about different things. Some I call it my online diary. I just talk about whatever's on my mind that day. And then once a month, at least I do a patrons-only show with a guest. Now, if you sign up for the everything tier, you get everything I just mentioned Plus, you get the ad-free and much shorter intro show. Again, that's at patreon.com slash startmeup. You can also make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I always include my email, and you can use that with PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes app, the Apple Podcast Store, and become a subscriber because it's free. And while you're there, if you like the show, please leave a rating and a good review. I would really appreciate it, and thank you to everybody who has. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Jody Hamilton. Welcome back to the show, Jody. Thank you, Kimberly. I'll try to be easy like a Sunday morning. <laughs> I swear to God. First of all, I love that song. I just love it so <laughs> much. <laughs> and and I know you're referring to Greg Oliar, but you're also easy like Sunday morning because you are just one of my easier, like, whenever I book you and I ask you if you're available and you say yes, I'm like, thank God. Because <laughs> I know it's going to be a good show, and I know everybody's going to be happy, <laughs> even if we oh, talk yay. about scary things. <laughs> oh, my God. So um, I guess I'm going to start off. You know what? I am going to start off with some scary things. Well, actually, I, no, I, I take that back. I've got some a couple of scary things that I want to talk about or things that might piss me off. But um, I know you were vaccinated. You got your second dose with Pfizer. You, you got it before my second dose with Moderna. So you're, like, good now, right? Oh, yeah. I'm over a month out. Uh, well, yeah. no, I'm about, let me see. I got my second shot on April 22nd. Oh, so, yeah, okay. I'm about three weeks out from being fully vaccinated. That's so cool. And so now have you done anything different? What are you doing? Well, it's it's funny because, I mean, I, I, I think you saw the picture of my mom and yes. Bonnie and my mom's husband and yes. me. Um, so we did that uh, two Sundays ago, which was the first time I got to hug my mother wow. in well over a year. I saw her twice in, during the pandemic, but both times was, you know, far apart and yeah. outside. Um, and we also got to see Lonnie's mom the weekend before for Mother's Day. Hmm. Um, so we yeah. drove to Palm Springs to see his mom, and we drove wow. up to Santa Barbara to see my mom. And um, it was nice Barbara. to hug Lonnie's mom and stepdad yeah. and aunt, you know. Um, just to be around them, and we're all House of Pfizer. Wow. Uh, yeah, all of us are Pfizer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, cool. and it's just by chance, as I'm sure you know. Right. Um, yes. And then my neighbors down the street that had the kittens, 
Four of the six have been placed, Kimberly. Oh, good. Awesome. Uh, there's still two left. I know, I know, uh, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to see them. Paula Poundstone's getting her two on Thursday. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah, so oh I'm going God. over on Wednesday to say hi and bye to the, the two that she's taking. And then the other two, one's going to one of the guys, um, somebody that he works with, and the other one is going to one of the guy's uh, bosses that oh, she that's wants cool. another cat. So. Aww. Yeah, they're the cutest things in the whole wide world. I know they always are. Well, I know that I'm going to be watching my mom's cats this, uh, I don't know when, sometime this summer because she's going to go to the beach. And oh, nice. So it's Simon and Jesse, and Simon is just, he's one of the cutest cats I've ever seen in my entire life. He's so fucking cute. It's unbelievable. And and then what <laughs> when he gets, and I knew this um, when he was a little kitten, Whenever he was happy, he would start kicking himself in the head. He, he like, he plops down on his side, and he just starts hitting his head with his hind legs. and Or his hind legs. And it's, it's so funny, because my mom was, like, worried about it. I, th- I said, I think he's just happy. And that's true, because it's like any time he gets all lovey and happy, or anything makes him happy, he literally just falls down on the floor and starts kicking himself in the head. And he's, he's not the brightest... He's not, He's really cute, and he's not the brightest cat in the world, but he is so well, obviously because he keeps kicking himself in the fucking head, so he's got some brain damage probably from that. And then uh. there's and then there's Jezebel, and she um she's she's gonna be the one like I think Simon will be fine. Plus he likes Bob. It was so cute because when Bob first came over to meet my mom. Uh, he was sitting at the head of the table in the dining room, and behind him was a windowsill. And Simon sat in the windowsill and reached his paw and touched his back. It was so fucking cute. Oh, <laughs> how cute! It was so cute. But Jesse is, um, she's like, I don't know. She's much. She's a very scaredy cat, and like, I don't know what's gonna happen because when my mother moved from Santa Rosa to Maryland, they, I, I had to bring I had to I hated this I had to put them in you know the cat carriers and take them to the airport and ship them off that that was horrible it was actually fucking Trump's inauguration day it it, it was so awful it was raining and Bob had a podcast to do later and it was like I we had to go and spend the night and I did not want to drive from Santa Rosa to San Francisco early in the morning so we just stayed in a pet friendly hotel and Jesse freaked out she was getting like angry and making, you know, it's like she would just start growling and we couldn't sleep and it was awful. And I felt so guilty because I was keeping Bob up. And then eventually I put her in her cat carrier and she just quieted right down. So it's like, okay. So she just wanted, I think, I think the cat carrier gave her some kind of comfort or I don't know, it made her feel safer. So I don't, yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like I don't know what's going to happen when she comes here because I mean, it's it's not the same situation as, as what, you know, it's not a hotel with lots of different right. smells of animals and all that. So I don't know. We'll see. But I'm looking forward to that. But the problem is that I don't know that we can have, I don't know that we will do well with having on like a permanent situation where we live right now, just because there's no good place to put the litter box. The only good place is in the kitchen. And it's like, I really just don't want to have a litter box in the kitchen. And so... um I don't We're know. not having company, so. <laughs> I know, but but it's like it's gross. I don't want I don't want the little things coming out, and it's just it's just it would just it's just really difficult. So I know that our lease is up. Uh, I think it's up next February. So 
we're going to consider alternatives. So we'll see. We'll see what's out there. Well, LA is very expensive, but it's nice. I know it is. And you don't even know. This is the time of year, man. It's hard. In fact, it was so funny because yesterday, I, I don't know if you know this. You probably do. But if you go to YouTube and you just go driving in wherever, there's just videos uh-huh. of people driving wherever all around the world. So I, I said driving around Glendale because that's where I used to live. I used to live in northern Glendale. But it was like, it was just like, oh, my God. I was watching it and I was feeling so just nostalgic and missing that feels like me you know it just it's my area I lived in Glendale I think I first moved in Glendale in 19 I think it was like 1991 and then I when I moved to Northern California I that was in 2009 so I had been living in Glendale that whole time oh yeah well I mean I just we just found out that okay so neighbor down the street who used to live down the street where the cat moved in from okay Uh His name was is Steve, and he moved to Vegas. Aww. So when he was selling his house, what happened? Thank God, the uh, real estate develop the real estate agent decided to buy the house himself, which made me grateful because I was like, please don't tear it down and make it a McMansion because we don't we don't have any of those <laughs> yeah. in my immediate neighborhood. Right. Um, my block is like virginal when it comes to that. These are older yeah. homes, and and it's just it's a really nice street. And so luckily, Brian, I believe, is his name. He purchased the home, so we thought he was going to move in, and he fixed it up. I mean, it needed a new roof and paint and all sorts of stuff, and he totally, like, put all this money into the house. We found out from our neighbor across the street, are you sitting? Um, he's renting the house for $14,000 a month. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, I was like... Uh, when I first met Paula Poundstone when she came over to see the kittens several weeks ago, and we were walking to Dan and Joe's house, I said, she goes, this is a really nice neighborhood. I said, yeah, I can't afford it. If I didn't own my house, I couldn't afford to live here. Because there's there's an apartment building that went down um, at the end of this cul-de-sac uh, a couple a block and a half away. And um, we, we the guy that bought the property, it was a split um Zoning. So one side of the property is for multi-units, and one side of the property is just for single-family homes. So he wanted to build a 14-unit apartment building that would come in and out of my neighborhood instead of out to Laurel Canyon. Hmm. So we we all adulted in the neighborhood and got it down to a four-unit building. And so I was like, yeah, he's not going to be making you know forty thousand dollars a month now because yeah. it's only four units, yeah. right? So they're nice townhomes. They're like two-bedroom townhomes. I think they're about all to get because it's three stories there's like a like a mud room and then the first story is like a living room area and then the second story is the bed the third story is all bedrooms and it has covered it's got garage parking and everything so four units relatively big maybe 1600 1700 square feet mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we found out that they were renting those for ten thousand dollars a month oh my god and i'm oh like they don't have a pool i, really I mean god. it's just you got a garage yeah you know, and you're right on Laurel Canyon at the freeway on-ramp. So it's like, really? Wow. And so I'm not surprised that the house down the street also yes. doesn't have a pool, mind you, is renting for 14 grand. But I'm like, this should be illegal. I know. It really <laughs> should. It really should. That's ridiculous. It's, I mean, my little neighborhood is not like Beverly Hills, you right, know, seven. Right. There is one house, though, down the street that is seven bedrooms that I would like to buy. But besides <laughs> that, um, there you go with your 14,000. It's seven bedrooms. Wow. Makes some sense. Yes. These are little two-bedroom homes, mostly built in the 30s and 40s. Jesus. 
You know, my house is 1750 square feet. We do have a pool. I mean, I could, if the guy down the street's renting for 14 no grand, kidding, yeah. I could rent for 17 because I have a pool and a guest house. Yes. Wow. I wouldn't do that because I'm not evil. Right, exactly. I know, but, but that's ridiculous. Like, it is. No wonder people can't afford to live here. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, let me ask you, because, I mean, I always, you know, this is the time of year that I miss California. Hit the fall. I'm, like, good where I am because I love fucking East Coast fall. And I right. and I do enjoy the winter, unlike Bob, who wakes up every gray day and goes, what a beautiful day. <laughs> it's like mocking the weather. Oh, there were gray days on the big island. Don't let them lie exactly. to you. <laughs> yeah. But I don't mind them. I like, I like the cozy thing. I love it. And, you know, I mean, I recognize there's beauty here. Every time I leave my house, especially in the summertime when it's muggy and hot and I hate it more than anything, what always blows me over is just how green it is. There's so right. much green here and it's it's kind of overwhelming and it's just absolutely beautiful. But there's just this weirdness about it. There's so much weirdness about it, but part partly for me, it's like I spent my youth here up until right. I was nine, and then I spent summers here up until I graduated high school for, like, the entire summer. So I'm very familiar with it, but it's weird because it's, like, when I'm outside, especially in the summertime, especially when – because I spent more time in the summertime here than I did in the winter. But it's, like, when there are certain things – whether it's a smell, like, th there's a specific mm -hmm. smell that happens in the humidity when everybody's mowing their lawn. It's like that lawn thing is so pungent because of the humil humidity. And mm -hmm. that just right back to my childhood, like triggering in a positive way, but still triggering me right back to certain memories I had when I was little. And, and it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just, I don't know. There's this, there's this, obviously there's a feeling of California and there's a feeling of wherever you live. If you're in Texas, if you're in Tennessee, wherever you might be. But it's like, I always say that there is, because the civil war happened here, I honestly feel there is a heaviness and a seriousness mm -hmm. that lingers. And it, it is not in Los Angeles. And, right. you know, you just do not feel that kind of heaviness. I think there's pros and cons wherever anybody is, but it's like, and I don't even know that I would call this a con. It's just I can feel this heaviness of that war lingering. And, um, you know, it's a different situation here with, and I've, I've said this a lot, where I feel like in California, it's not to say there's no racism because there's absolute racism. Oh, yeah. Um, but it seems like it's diverse racism. You know, every there, there's, there's all these different groups who uh, don't like each other. <laughs> and, you know, so it's like this group doesn't like that group. And, but here it's a little bit more uh, with the white and black communities. And, and I do see more diversity, especially in Maryland now than I did when I lived here. A lot more, which I actually like. Um, but it's but there's still this friction with with the black and the white community. And I mean, I blame the white community. I, I right. was related to people who I believe, you know, kept that systematic racism racism in place but it's mm -hmm. there you know the civil war was fought here and there are a lot of black people living here and so i you know i mean in my experience though i i've got to say because i was a little worried about moving here i didn't know what to expect but it, it's been really positive i i mm -hmm. feel like um i don't know I, I just i don't ever come across the only, the only thing that I came across was there was a white man at the grocery store and 
you know, at the time, there wasn't a vaccine yet. Everybody was wearing their masks, and they were there were the arrows on the floor, right, where you could only go right. up this aisle. So there was a black woman who I guess was not going the right way, but she was with a lot of other people, including me. I was not going the right way either. And this white man singled her out and started picking on her. And I was happy to see that it was a, it was a kind of like a mixed crowd and everybody took her side. Everybody was Good. just telling him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> it was like, Good. cause I didn't necessarily follow those arrows all the time. And, um, but it's like, you know, that, that's the worst I've seen here. And it's not to say that that's the worst here, but it's thankfully that's the worst I've seen. I haven't seen, yeah, you know, the It's interesting. Cause show. like, um, for me, I love DC. I've only landed in Maryland, so I can't really comment. Um, I love the DC. I love Washington DC as a town. Yeah, it's awesome. I love the feel of that town. There's something about it that mm -hmm. just energizes me like crazy. Mm -hmm. Yet when I went to Santa Fe years and years ago, my brother was working with um, Christian Slater, oh, and wow. um, Christian was shooting Young Guns too. And so Joey calls me up and he says, "Hey, come on down to Santa Fe. You know, hang out for the weekend." Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Sure." So I was living in Denver, so I drove down. And the strangest thing, I'm driving the 25 getting into new mexico life is fine and then it, without seeing a sign for santa fe mm -hmm. i obviously crossed some sort of border mm -hmm. and i didn't feel right hmm. interesting and i was like what it just everything just was like my skin was crawling and i'm like what is beautiful country mm -hmm. new mexico is lovely um and i get in there and i check into the hotel and i see my brother and i say christian and you know, I meet Kiefer and everybody, and everybody's really nice, and yada, yada, yada. Had a lovely time, but there was something about that city mm -hmm. that just didn't jive molecularly right. with yes. me. Yes, yes. And, and people are like that, with that town in particular, more than I think other towns. Interesting. They're like, there's something about the vortex of mm -hmm. that part of New Mexico. You either love it or you hate it, and I'm right. the in, you hate it kind of vibe yeah. my mom loved it she had a house there hmm. but i was like i can't visit you it's just weird and creepy <laughs> that's so funny but yeah totally there's energies and that's i feel those energies in fact you know of course bob is such a um civil war mm -hmm. nut and before we moved here he was looking around just for you know civil war situation you know events that had happened and i guess not too far from us is a building it's like the remnants of a building where some one of i don't i can't remember the details bob could tell you but it was somebody who i think was part of the whole shooting lincoln um ran, oh, wow. ran to hide and and he hid there so it's like you know i mean it's, it's so much history and then when i go to gettysburg with him it's so fascinating because he just he could be a tour guide and we'll be t he'll he'll be talking about oh see there's a bullet hole in that tree and there's all these bullet holes in this building and this guy was looking out of this window at this fight and 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 so it's it's fascinating but it's like there is a heaviness to, to there's a heavy energy and I've and I've always felt it and and it's just odd because California is light the energy there I mean there's negativity with um, especially with your physical appearance you know i mean people oh god yeah, yeah it's like it's like it's, it's so superficial and also with money it's the money it, it, it's very superficial it can be very superficial mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean it always is but it really can be and i don't like that about los angeles but you know what it can be superficial here too so um 
wherever well, the you thing are. I find out being a native Angelino mm-hmm. um, is it's usually the transplants that fuck it all up. <laughs> Probably. Because um, they're the ones that think that you have to keep up with the Joneses. They're yeah. the ones that think you have to have. Like, my favorite is driving by, say, a, a, an apartment building in, you know, North Hollywood. <laughs> And there's a guy pulling out of the parking garage there that may not even be covered parking. And he's in a freaking, you know, brand new Porsche. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay, dude, what? And granted, the rents are high here, mind you. But still, really? (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. And, you know, it's like wherever you are, there's going to be bullshit. But there is something, you know, this is my time of year where I just get extremely lonesome for L.A. And then, uh, you know, as soon as we start hitting September and the air, like, it's still hot in September, but, like, toward the end of September, there are days. You know, we can, we can go all the way up till November and have some hot, you know, warm days because it doesn't get terribly right. hot. But um, I remember in California, in Southern California specifically, when I wanted fall, that's when we got those really hot triple-digit days, the devil winds and all of that. And I tried really hard to acclimate to that. Like, I tried – I remember I was dating this guy, and he he was an Angelino, and he said something like, you know, oh, this really feels like fall. And I thought, (laughs) hmm, that's interesting because it doesn't to me, but I'm going to now try to make this the new feeling for fall. It never worked. My favorite was I bought a pump. I carved a pumpkin, and I I think I did this in like early October or like mid October. And it's like you know 106 degrees, and I came home and my pumpkin had like fallen in on itself and fallen on the floor. It was so pathetic, and I so desperately wanted fall, but I got it here. And it's shorter falls now, but still, it's yeah. like. It's so breathtaking, and I love going outside and seeing the changing colors of the leaves and the smells, and it smells like fireplaces, and it's just, I love it. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my favorite times of the year are late fall here, obviously, because that's when it's starting to get cold. Right. And early spring. I mean, it's been a nice spring this year so far. I mean, today it might get to be 80 degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been, Lonnie's like, where's summer? Because he's from (laughs) North Dakota, and I'm like, dude. It'll be here. I know, and then it won't go away. You know this, Lonnie. You've lived here for a very long time. You know what July and August are like. Oh, God. Yes, and July and August here are quite harsh, too. So. Yeah, see, we, we at least don't have the horrid humidity right. that you do, but yeah. we're getting fucking mosquitoes now, thank you. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't think I was Fuckers. ever, I don't think the whole time that I lived there that I was ever bit by a mosquito. No, this is new. It started, let me see, a few years ago. It was like two or three years ago. Um, if you went out, because it's during, it's not just at dusk or dawn, because mm-hmm. these little fuckers, they're teeny tiny and they're black and white striped. And I believe they came from China, not that I'm blaming the country <laughs> or the people in it. Right. I'm blaming the bugs. Yeah, and climate. They, they will bite you any time of the day. Wow. First off, and what they do, they don't like your arms mm-hmm. per se. They basically mm-hmm. just like your legs. Hmm. And even if you're wearing long pants, they'll get up in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or they'll land on the pants and bite through. Right. And then what? Instead of just, and they don't really make you itchy. Mm-hmm. They just put welts on you like oh, you're wow. diseased. Wow, uh, that's so crazy. I mean, I am one of those people that the mosquitoes love. Well, they love me, too. I mean, we went to this um, hotel in Palm Springs, like, in 
June or something a few years back. And I was like, I can't take pants off because I look like I have these weird <laughs> problems on my legs. And another friend of mine was like, okay, you're getting them too? And I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one. Wow. So That's now I wear, we wear, you know, citronella things, right. like literally like bracelets and anklets. Mm-hmm. And it works, actually. Wow. Um, and they don't last for too terribly. They last for maybe a day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I'm going outside now in the hot weather, yeah. I mean, it wasn't as bad last year because we were all inside right. and afraid. Yes. Um, so maybe they all died off. I, and they can only li- <laughs> like a thimble worth of, of water they can live in. So yeah. you don't need to. It's not like normal mosquitoes where you need to worry about water, right. standing water everywhere. They don't need that much water. Jeez. That's the other problem. Wow, that's so yeah, crazy. Yeah, fuckers, the little fucking fuckity fuckers. <laughs> that's so. I mean, that was. I was so afraid about mosquitoes passing COVID. I actually don't even mm. think I got a bite last year. What is that? Uh, oh God, it was. It was Bob used to advertise it. So maybe was it bugger off? Bugger off. Yeah, I got that. That, that works. Was good. That works. It that does work, and me. these I, these are little citronella bracelets that you yeah. wear. Basically, they tell you to wear them one on one wrist and then the opposite leg right. on oh, the ankle, okay, okay. so it gets kind of both sides of your body. Right. But I'll wear four because <laughs> yeah. they love me. Mosquitoes will. Yeah, me I went to Cancun years and years ago, 1993, with my friend Megan, and it was literally I was bitten from head to toe that first night. So I went to the gift shop where we were staying. And I bought them out of their off. <laughs> yeah. And it was my perfume. Right. It was like, fuck it, you know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's just really nothing. Fucking mosquito bites suck. I mean, I guess it's worse being stung by a wasp or something. But, yeah, they they love to chew on me. And it's like, oh, my God, there was this one year I was at my dad's house. And my stepmother was like, let's have dinner on the on the patio. And I'm like, no, because it was so fucking hot. And I was probably perimenopausal at the time. So I was hot all the time anyway. So it was so hot. And then I was just like, I didn't have anything. I I don't know. I guess they had something. And I think my whole leg, just both legs were just filled with mosquito bites. And it was like, oh, my God, I hate this so fucking much. And then like they were itchy for me and I would scratch them and to where I would bleed. It was so much fun. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, what's your blood type? By any, do you know? You know what? I don't know. I think, I think whatever my blood type is is the one that they said, the rumor that uh, you don't. If you have that particular blood type, it's harder to get COVID. Uh, it's type O. Okay, I think that that might be it. Because that's my blood type, and I do believe because I believe type O is the oldest blood type because it's the most prevalent. Because AB negative is like the youngest blood type and very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget what my RH is. I don't know whether I'm positive or negative. I'm a very positively negative person. Um, <laughs> but yeah, type O, I think, is what mosquitoes like as well. Oh, that's interesting. And it figures, well, thankfully, it couldn't be spread through mosquito bites. At least they said that no last shit. year. Because, oh, my God, that scared me. Um, but yeah, so uh, going back to the COVID thing. So are you guys are you guys going inside to restaurants now? Are you? No. Okay. Um, when we because basically like yesterday I ran into Dan and Joe who have the kittens and they have two friends that are visiting who are doctors. Mm-hmm. And as I was leaving my house to go on the trek about the planet that I do on a daily basis, mm-hmm. um, I'm you know I'm double masked. I've been mm-hmm. double masking for months now, mm-hmm. and so I look like Doctor Moreau. I have a <laughs> visor and dark sunglasses, and I'm double masked. And the second <laughs> mask is a is a neck gaiter, so it goes all the way down. Wow. 
so you can't see my neck either. And, and you know, I'm wearing a jacket because it was cold yesterday, so I'm wearing a jacket and my hand. I look crazy. <laughs> um, so I walk out of the house, and, of course, Dan and Joe aren't wearing masks because they've been fully vaccinated mm-hmm. now for a couple of weeks, and their doctor friends traveled, so they've been fully vaccinated. And they're like, why are you wearing the mask? I said, it's for others. I'm fully vaccinated. Yeah. I said, I just don't want to make anybody else uncomfortable. Right. And Dan and Joe were both holding masks just in case. Right. Um, I mean, I know who is and who isn't vaccinated in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. so that's helpful. Yeah. Um, just we know now who's safe to be around. But, you know, my next-door neighbors and across the street, they have small children that can't be vaccinated right. yet. So their kids, God bless them, they're masking the kids up. Yes. And the kids are fine with it. Thank, thankfully, yeah. they're cool. But, you know, and I walked the neighborhood today um, – until I got back to talk to you and most I would say because it used to be about 80% of everybody when I would walk and where I walk I'm not hiking like with Stephanie Miller she goes on hikes and those are smaller trails right people are close together where I am I mean the streets are it's the valley the streets are wide plenty of parking Mm -hmm. um and so you know people can I mean we've been crossing like you know ships across the street to avoid each other for over a year now so I would say it went from 80% of us being fully vaccinated, fully masked up every day mm-hmm. to about 50% of us. Hmm. Okay. Um, outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't. No, when I met the Mandalorian, <laughs> um, which is really cool. Yes. Uh, when I went to Gelson's the other day, everybody is masked up indoors in yeah. the grocery store. Yes, that's um, good. And that they are here but, too. When we, what is it, kitty? What? <laughs> you want me to let you out the front door? Oh. Yeah. Oh, the little. You want to go outside? You want to say hi to Kimberly? You want to say hi? No? Okay. No, All right. Not I'll on demand. Out. They're like, I'm not going to talk for you. There you go. Bye. I'll see you soon. Oh, oh. It's getting warm. Um, so, yeah, when we went up to, when we went to Palm Springs, um, Lonnie had a smart idea because we stayed one night. We mm-hmm. stayed in a hotel. Um, we didn't stay with his mom. We stayed in a hotel because we were still barely fully vaccinated. Right, and I'm like, yeah. let's just be safe. Um, and the hotel's like keyless. You know, you don't even have to check in anymore. Right. You get a key on your phone. So it's like easy peasy. Wow. Yeah, it's really easy. And so um, he said, why don't we, because we got in Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, why don't we take mom out on Saturday night instead of Sunday for Mother's Day because Mother Day's Mother's Day is going to be insane, and I mm-hmm. think that's a smart yeah. idea. So I'm looking around in Palm Springs, into where in La Quinta, where we were staying, mm-hmm. to try to get because his mom and stepdad also um, his mom's his mom's sister lives. They all live together, mm-hmm. and so now I'm trying to make a reservation for five people, <laughs> and not at nine o'clock at night because. <laughs> I am asleep by nine. <laughs> I'm asleep at seven thirty. So, um, you know, going out at six p.m. is really late. Right. Um, so, uh, I'm trying to find a reservation, and I could get a reservation for two, no problem, mm-hmm. outside at like six p.m. Even at our hotel, I couldn't get a reservation before wow. nine p.m. for anything over That's than a party crazy. of two to sit outside. Yeah. Finally, I literally it was about a eight or nine mile drive i've got a place in indian uh in uh, palm desert actually mm-hmm. um that was really lovely it's a french restaurant that they had seating outside for five people because a lot it's palm springs first off and it's yeah you know getting to be summer so it's getting to be super hot out right and it is also palm springs and a lot of most of the people there are retired yeah 
So most of them are vaccinated and have been for months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still not willing to eat indoors. Yeah. I have a little bit of fear about that. And I was glad because we're going to go see Bob's parents this weekend. And she, you know, I thought, oh, I hope they don't want us to go to a restaurant. Although the restaurant that we usually go to, we sit outside anyway. So I wouldn't have had a problem with that. And Bob was saying how he wanted, oh God, they're called hush puppies, I think. Have you ever had a hush puppy? I've heard of them. I've I've worn hush puppies, but I've never eaten. <laughs> well, I don't like them, and I they're cornbread, and I thought that I would love them, but I really don't. But anyway, Bob was like, "Oh, I got a taste for hush puppies," and you know, and I was I was a little nervous, thinking, "Well, I hope we don't go out, even though it would be sitting outside, because again, to to well, I, Wednesday, Wednesday, I'm fully vaccinated. I had my last shot on the 12th of May." So, um, you know, I'm freshly, and so is Bob, because his was on the 13th. So we're still kind of new. But she mentioned what she was making for dinner. So I was like, good. Okay, we're going to have, I don't know what we're going to do during the day. I'm sure we're going to take some kind of boat ride or something like that. But um, I'm feeling like pretty confident. And I, you know, but it's just, it's it's funny because this is going to be, I am going to go. And I said this last week, I'm going to go to the mall on um, Thursday. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, except that. I was really looking forward to it last week, but I got a slice of this this past weekend. I had ordered these really ugly fucking shirts off of Amazon. I just wanted a V-neck. I just wanted like the Bob V-neck, right? Uh-huh. Just the typical cotton Bob, or you know, Bob Seska V-neck shirt. And I don't know what the fuck these were. Um, they were the they're the ugliest most ill-fitting shirts I've ever seen in my life and so and they're boxy and one of them has a seam going down the back what what the fuck is that like right in the middle and they're so ugly and and the thing is is that I am not I'm finally now after forever losing some weight but it's you know taking a while I went off of estrogen so that's what was keeping the weight on me for all these fucking years and yeah it sure does my body just doesn't like it I guess I have enough I don't know either way it's it's slowly slowly coming off and of course now that I'm finally seeing results I'm excited right because I've been working so hard and either gaining weight or seeing no results and so I've been doing it now since probably the second week in April and I would say for like I quit I stopped taking estrogen let's just say around the 7th and I think it need it needs to cycle out so mm-hmm. you know I don't know two weeks three weeks whatever it was so I've I've been really pushing it ever since then and like when you see some results it's like yay and I, I had this false sense of like oh I'm gonna go to the store and find things and so I went to Kohl's so I could return these ugly fucking shirts and I thought okay I'm gonna try a few things on and it was not fun I'm it's like it's so difficult for me because my body is I'm six foot tall I have very large wide broad shoulders I have big bones and so even when I'm happy with my weight finding clothes isn't so easy for me because I like I can't be I'm very simple. I just like simple cuts. I like, you know, straight line stuff. And sometimes that's just not available. And right. when, when you have extra weight on you and, you know, it, it's not about me trying to fit in the fashions. I just want to find really easy, simple, basic stuff. And I need either a scoop net or a V-neck. I can't have anything right up against my neck because I look like a linebacker. And, uh, and I used to fucking wear shoulder pads. Oh, my God. How did I do that? My shoulders have always been very broad. So... 
Um, it's it's I I'm I'm hoping that I'll find a couple of things that I feel comfortable in, and uh, but I was a little discouraged in the dressing rooms. It was like. <sighs> <laughs> like I haven't tried clothes on in a dressing room <laughs> in what year is it? Yeah, what this... decade is it? What what century is it? Um I I wow. Maybe yeah, it's the nineteen eighties. Really? So how do you buy clothes? Well before the internet, um I Victoria's Secret, remember they used to sell clothing? I think they yes. still do. Yes. Uh, that was my go to catalog. Oh, okay. And so clothing would come to me, hmm. I would try it on, and then if I didn't like it, I would send it back. Wow. Um, and, they, and I was like, this is my thing. And I mean, before <laughs> that, you know, I mean, I was in, I graduated college in 1988, so, you know, I was still wearing high school clothes and yeah. shit, and hand-me-downs <laughs> from my sister, and, you know, when I, yeah, it was, God, it maybe, yeah, it was the 80s, I just hate that, I hate yeah. I mean, trashy lingerie, I think, might have been the last place I went <laughs> where I tried on clothing. Um, yeah, well, it's been yeah. a while for me because of the pandemic, obviously. But ever since I went on this fucking estrogen in 2016, I've put weight on, and going to the store for me is no fun. It's just no fun. because it's Was like, that HRT for you? Or yeah, it, for yeah it was, H- it was HRT. Oh, yeah. See, I never – it's funny because when, when I, so I was on the pill and – from the time I was 20 until mm-hmm. I was 50. And it was very funny. My kind of call. <laughs> I turned 50 and she says, you know what, honey, why don't you just not take the pill for three weeks? And we're going to check your hormone levels mm-hmm. to see how you're doing and, and uh, to see if you've, if you've finished with, you know, right. with your menopause. And I went, should my husband and I use condoms? <laughs> And she said, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Just like that. That's so and funny. And I went, okay. And, and so three weeks later, I go, I get my blood done, and she gives me a call. And she says, so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> and I said, okay. And she says, how do you feel? And I said, I feel fine. You know, I mean, my hot flashes have been going on for 15 years, so they, they had started to diminish at that point anyway. And so now that I'm that, thank God I was on hormones for those 15 years because I can't even imagine how bad it would have been had I not been. Yeah. Um, but then I, you know, I stopped taking the pill, and they came back a little bit, but not that bad. And she mm-hmm. goes, "Are they bad enough that you need?" I said, "I'd rather not be on hormones yeah. anymore." Right. You know, if I don't have to be on them, I don't want to. And yeah. So I haven't been in four years, which may have been part of the reason that I've kept weight down. Right. Well, and, and I'm sure. I mean, I remember uh, when I met Bob, I was finally at a place. I had gained weight because I quit smoking, and I think it was like – I it, know that. It crashed into – uh, perimenopause and quit smoking and then I ballooned up. It took like a month and it was insane. I gained so much weight. I I was blown away and it was extremely upsetting and then I worked out and dieted for a year because I had to do my speech at the Capitol building for the ERA and mm-hmm. I knew it was coming up in August and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna work out really hard and it was like nothing, 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 nothing and I refused to weigh myself but I, I had these white pair of pants that I wore to the rally and I wanted to wear them and they just didn't fit and every day I would put them on and they didn't fit every day every day for months until finally three days before the rally they fit 
I mean, my wow. stomach was still big, but they were looser in the leg and they fit. And it was like, wow, that's crazy. Like all these months and then boom, okay, I'll take it. But, and it was funny because I had been telling my father, you know, I had put on all this weight and everything. And then he picks me up at the airport. And he's like, you didn't gain any weight. And I was like, well, yeah, I did, but I've been working like a fiend. And then it just dropped off the other day. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. But, but then after that, that was 2014. So then for that next year and then I knew I was going to go to Netroots which is that um uh-huh. liberal uh yeah I know conference. it I definitely know it uh you know I knew he, I knew I was going to go there and I was going to see people that I talked to online all the time so I was once again like really pushing it so I was down to a very comfortable weight when I met him I was certainly not in my 35 perfect weight like 35 year old perfect weight but I was happy and then you know I started taking these hormones and I had heard, you know, that women had really positive experiences in that they were able to lose weight, eat more easily when their hormones were balanced out and this and that. But you know what? Everybody's different. And Mm -hmm. I do well with certain hormones, but I do not do well with estrogen at all. It makes me angry. It makes me fat. It makes me sad. And you know what? I did not know that my entire life, basically, I think I was estrogen dominant, but nobody in the medical world, OBGYNs or whatever, you know, my, my gynecologist never, ever even looked into it. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I guess I told them I always had problems. I always fucking had problems. And it's, I think it started the first time I ever had my period. I, or yeah, the first time I ever got it, I, I oh my God, my cramps were insane. And mm-hmm. Although I was spending the night at a girlfriend's house and her mother, her parents were, oh God, I don't remember which Korea they were from, North or South Korea. I don't remember, but I know they were Korean and they didn't speak very much English. So when I was, when I was over there and spending the night, it was like, I don't even know if she told her mother, but it was like, I don't know if they would have given me Advil or not. But when my mom picked me up, she's like, here's some Advil or et cetera, whatever she gave me. And it just took the cramps away. But when I was in my 20s, um, I got cramps so bad that I passed out and oh I, would be, I would be laid out for three days. And then I went on the pill and, and I'm, I couldn't work. I couldn't fucking do anything. The only thing I could do was take a really, really hot bath, which would kind of make the cramps go away for about an hour and then they would come back and it, like I would see stars the pain was so uh-huh. fucking bad and it was so awful so I went on the pill for that and and then even when I went off the pill after you know I, I think I was on the pill at three or four separate times in my life but I never had those kinds of cramps again I, but I've always had something it's always been something whether it's been acne or like major sweat underneath my arms at periods different periods of time when I was younger but um but the pill always made me heavier and it made me depressed. And so it was like, I was always sad and feelings of hopelessness. But I think what was happening was I was already estrogen dominant and then you take the pill and you're getting more estrogen. Yeah. So it was just like, with me when I went on the pill, like, I mean, I barely had periods and all my cramps went away. Mm -hmm. It was, it was the greatest thing ever. I mean, because when my first, my first one, I was 13 years old. And I remember, Me too. it was a, it was the weekend, so I wasn't at school, thankfully. Yeah. And um, my sister was not home, and she was older, and uh, so she was out with some friends or whatever. And I just had the worst headache in my life. Yeah. I was like, "What is wrong with me?" And I wasn't hungry, 
you know, uh-huh. my head was killing me and my my lower back oh, was yeah. killing me and I had my front felt weird. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what the hell is going on, right? So I go upstairs and, oh, that's what's going on. Uh-huh. And so I just, I walked into my sister's bathroom and grabbed a box of tampons and then walked back into my bathroom, read the directions and started using tampons immediately. And I'm a little virgin 13-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. And because tampons usually scare virgins, but yeah, I'm like, they whatever. scared me. <laughs> um, and because that's all we had. I mean, right. Carrie didn't have maxi pads. My mom certainly didn't. And it was like, okay. And, and thank God for Westlake, because you know, my this was beginning of eighth grade, and um, so thank God in seventh grade, my science teacher, we had a brief like two week thing on sex education because two weeks is all you really need apparently, um, and he showed us. He, he, and a guy teaching just girls. God bless Mr. Oh, Frost. God. Poor thing. Um, but, you know, he explained everything. So I knew what was going on right. from a biological standpoint. And then I had an older sister. Yeah. So I didn't tell my mother. <laughs> right? And so we're in Vermont for uh, winter break when my mom was shooting the winter part of Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so my little sister and I were sharing a room, and Carrie had her own room because we were renting a house or whatever. And um, so my mom, for some strange, because she's a mom, she's being nosy, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, goes into the restroom that Aaron and I were sharing, and she sees that there's a box of tampons. <laughs> and she honey can you come over because Aaron was a little too young mm-hmm. um, and she already knew Carrie was past that yeah. so she's and this is six months after it began wow. so I'm like an old hat at this, this point <laughs> 13 and a half years old and she goes honey what's going on and, and she shows me the tampons I said what she goes when did you get your period I said last summer <laughs> and she's like well, why didn't you tell me <laughs> and I said well I didn't I knew what to do. And yeah. she's like, but every mom wants her daughter to come in and go, Mom, ew. <laughs> right? And so I said, well, I'm sorry, right? So fast forward to when I'm 50, <laughs> I get the news from my gynecologist that now I'm, that I'm postmenopausal at this point. I mean, my hormones right. were so low. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, yeah, you're done. Wow. And um, so I called Mom, and I said, remember how I didn't tell you about my first period <laughs> she said yeah and I said well I'm, menop- I'm postmenopausal she goes congratulations honey oh my god that's so funny <laughs> you didn't get the beginning but you got the end lady oh my god that is so fucking awesome and you know what I want to ask you you said something on Bob's show the other day, but before we do, I have to cut to an ad. So we will get back to this conversation after these words from Stephanie Miller. OMG, I am using a new skincare system that I absolutely love. People say puffiness and bags under the eyes are the hardest things to get rid of. Until now, introducing Genucel Plant Stem Cell Therapy from Chamonix, specifically targeting eye puffiness and bags. Due to new technology, Genucel is an incredibly powerful natural serum, and with its instant effects, it's guaranteed to show results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. That's right. Users saw results in only 12 hours with dramatic improvement in two weeks. A true Chamonix classic, Genucel contains eight extra ingredients to significantly reduce the appearance 
appearance of bags and puffiness. Plus, GenuCell uses patented plant stem cell technology to improve longevity and brilliant long-term results. You can try GenuCell right now absolutely risk-free. Go to lovegenucell.com slash Stephanie. Enter that special promo code Stephanie for an extra 10% off. Order now and get the legendary GenuCell XB face cream absolutely free just for trying GenuCell today. Chamonix, the best skincare, best results, or your money back. That's lovegenucell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucell.com slash Stephanie. Okay, we're back. So, okay, I wanted to ask you about this fucking movie that your your mom, Carol Burnett, is going to be in. What's the deal with this? You know, I forgot the fourth person. I should ask Lonnie. He's around here somewhere. <laughs> uh, but it's Mom and Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. And I want to say it's Betty White, but I think I'm wrong. Uh-huh. But if I'm not wrong, great. Um, uh, I know, it's, huh? It's, it's a group of women, and there's a story, and I can't tell you that. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, she's she's... And she's also doing a TV uh, series. I believe it's a three-show arc um, that she loves the show, and wow. they approached her. That's um, so cool. Yeah, so she's she's going back to work slowly. That's uh, really cool. She normally tours. She yeah. does a Q&A tour, and um, she hasn't done that. I mean, we were supposed to see her last year in March. Yeah here in LA and um, in fact it was so sweet Mo Gaffney and Lorraine Newman were like can you get us tickets and I'm like sure <laughs> you know mom loves both of you so yeah. let's see what I can do um, and so they were like no 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 we just want to say hi we'll yeah. get tickets I'm like oh even better yeah. um, <laughs> and then mom had to postpone it and she postponed it right. until last October and then had to postpone it again yeah. until next month and is still postponing it again until next year because wow. she's like I'm not ready to go in Right to a theater, and and she certainly won't be doing a meet and greet. No, you know, I mean, she's fully vaccinated, but you know, in fact, this I I believe I said this on Bob's show too. This um, I don't know if you put it in the show, but because uh, I don't listen to myself, um, <laughs> uh, he, this friend of mine who I went to high school with, his daughter is um, I want to say she's at SC, but I'm not sure. She's in her uh, yeah, she's in her early 20s now. Mm-hmm. Brilliant um, uh, musical theater writer. Um, and so she emailed me the other day, and she's like, hey, Jody, I was wondering if you might want to be in my new show. Um, it's a musical, and da 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 and you'd be playing a mom of a 17-year-old. And then I read the script. She wanted me to be 46, so eight years younger than I am, I'm down with that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and, and Well, I emailed her back, and I said, first off, I'm not an actor, so the smaller the role, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and secondly, um, don't make me sing a solo. <laughs> and she said, it's a speaking role, and yes, it's a few scenes. And so as I kept thinking about it, I was like, wait a minute, this is live. And and, and most of the people in the show are, on, are between, you know, 16 and 30. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and so I emailed her back, and I said, because basically the show production, uh, rehearsals start, a week from tomorrow mm-hmm. and they go through the middle of July and then the production the show is like four nights in the middle of July mm-hmm. and so I was I emailed her but said what are your COVID protocols you know is everybody going to be vaccinated what's going on da, 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 da. I said because I'm really uncomfortable right now and then I kept thinking I'm like I don't even want to go to the theater right now let alone be involved in a theater production mm-hmm. right yeah because it's indoor rehearsals and singing, come on. Right. Um, yes, exactly. And and how can I, you know, 
who are the anti-vaxxers? Exactly. Who, you know, yeah. are you going to be testing? Because she can't afford testing. Like, you wow, know, Bill yeah. Maher gets tested every week. Right. You know, and it's expensive. Yeah. That's, that's part of doing business right now. Exactly. For television yeah. and, and movie production, you have – people are tested daily on set mm-hmm. for rapid results, and then they're tested at least twice weekly for PCR testing to make sure everybody's healthy. And if you test, if you test positive on any of those, you're not going to work. Yeah. And so, you know, with a six week production, that means she'd have to have understudies. Oh yeah. At least two or three understudies for every role. Mm -hmm. And then that compounds the possibility of somebody catching it. (laughs) So I emailed her back and I said, you know what, you know, I'd love to see it on video. Yeah. Um, I mean, luckily she was very, very nice about it, you know, because uh, she's a nice kid. And I said, look, and if you are shooting it on tape, I'll be happy to help you edit it. And she's right. like, that would be great. Wow. So I'm helping out in some sense. But I was like, you know, I don't want to be. It's too soon. I mean, yes. Gavin Newsom is opening up the fucking mm-hmm. state on June 15th. Yeah. And parts of the state are doing well. L.A. County, we're at uh, 55% of, excuse me, 55% of California is um, half vaccinated. Okay. And 41 or 42 percent of us are fully vaccinated. So we're doing well. Yeah. Um, but to me, let's not open mm-hmm. up. Like LA County's doing better than some other counties. San Francisco's doing the best. Mm-hmm. And then Los Angeles. Hmm. Um, you know, and then we're tied like with San Diego, actually, weirdly, is doing well because hmm. um, it's such a red district. Yes. Um, but it's like, let Gavin, I know that you are up against a recall, but mm-hmm. I don't think you will get recalled. No. It's not a Gray Davis situation by right. any stretch of the imagination. And to me, unless at least 70% of us are half vaccinated. Yeah. Because that puts us at about 50% fully vaccinated and maybe a little bit more. Yeah. I don't feel, I don't want to go into a restaurant that doesn't have any covid protocols indoors mm-hmm. anymore because right now we're limited to 25 percent capacity yeah it's going to be 100 percent capacity june right. 15th and people are going to do it people are going to people it. are going to do it i mean we went out we Lonnie wanted to go out to dinner the other night and so i was like okay let's see you know because casa vega over here in the valley oh, still vega. is doing outdoor dining and they've been the best i mean mm-hmm. their tables literally outdoors were like 15 feet apart mm-hmm. you know and amazing and they used to not take reservations and they're only taking reservations hmm. now to make sure people aren't waiting to get seated right and um so i went to make a reservation and the earliest reservation i could make was at nine o'clock at night and i went no oh my god <laughs> um so luckily you know the el torito that he loves their salsa so we went to that yes. one over in studio city or sherman oaks and it was packed really wow i mean we were outside but they were packed mm-hmm. Well, El Torito does have that best, that Caesar, what's it called? The Caesar something dressing. Yes, they do. And it's fucking unbelievable. It yeah, is so good. Yeah, their dressing is really good on their salads. Yeah, uh, and you, you know what? They sell it in the grocery store. I don't know if they sell it on the East Coast. It is not the same in a bottle. It no, is, it's not. It You're absolutely right. so fucking unbelievably good. I love their fucking salad dressing. I used to go there for lunch all the time when I was an outside sales rep in Los Angeles. And it was like, that was my first choice. To, I, I liked that. And then I liked, um, what's, uh, I like to call it Chipotle, but Chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, we haven't done anything. We haven't gone out anywhere. We haven't eaten out. I haven't even gotten takeout. So, um, 
I don't know when I'm going to start feeling comfortable, I guess. You know, I mean, the thing is, is when I'm on Twitter and I know it's on Twitter and it doesn't mean that it's real, that some person who I don't know posted something. But there have been a couple people that I do know that I've known before. Like, for instance, there was this one guy who said that somebody he knew was fully vaccinated and then got really, really sick with COVID. And this guy I trust because he, he was on my Facebook page before I even became political. And so I remember him from that. And he's always been, you know, somebody who comments on my stuff and I comment on his stuff. And so he's not a friend that I know in real life, but I, I don't know. I take him at his word. I, I don't know, you know, there's random people that I don't know and they say the same thing and it's like, okay, I don't know what to believe because maybe there's somebody, you know, just trolling. I don't know. But there are breakthrough cra- cases. I mean, I know Absolutely. that it was, there was that one sports team who I think there were eight cases of... The Yankees. Yes, the Yankees. Thank you very much that um, they had all been vaccinated. So that's the thing that concerns me. It's like, is the person who's preparing my food, are they being careful? Have they been vaccinated? And, you know, I, I don't, the, the, the one thing that I don't know, I don't, I, I guess, I, well, I don't know the answer to this, and maybe you do, but let's say you're vaccinated and you get a mild case of COVID. Are you, because there are people who either were asymptomatic or had mild cases that still suffered lung damage. Is mm-hmm. that still, I mean, is, is that still a possibility? It seems like it would be. I think so. I think, well, what there was really promising news over the weekend about Pfizer and AstraZeneca being able to be, I think, up to 60% effective against the Indian strain, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is really good. Yeah. Um, of considering course, I'm how, Moderna. <laughs> uh, well, it's okay. I mean, you know, they haven't tested it perhaps right. for that strain. I'm right. sure it'll be fine. Um, but those two drugs for sure, because I guess they have them in India. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's how they're figuring it out. Right. I mean, we have the strain. The, the Indian strain is here in mm-hmm. the United States, but I, maybe that's the only drugs they have there. Right. And that's where the testing is coming from. But yeah. regardless, my concern is, is yes, obviously, it sounds like if you and kids, there are people that have contracted COVID after being fully vaccinated that were hospitalized and some have died. But mm-hmm. over the millions of doses right. that have been given, it's maybe a thousand people. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's a low number. Right, it's a low number, but it's just like there's that part of because I'm this Saturday was the last day. I told Bob, I'm like, this is the last time I'm going to wash off the groceries. I mean, a lot of people aren't doing that anymore. I told that to to Mr. Uh, Easy Like Sunday Morning (laughs) a couple of months ago. He's like, oh, you're still washing your groceries. It's like, fuck yeah, because I'm. I don't, I'm not a paranoid person. I'm just extremely cautious. If I can, right. if there's a precaution that I can take, I'll take the precaution, no matter what we're talking about. So it's like I, I was, uh, when I stayed with my mom when she was getting her hip, you know, when healing from her hip operation, she lives in a pretty fucking safe neighborhood and I have a steering wheel lock on my car because in 1980, what, like 88, maybe 89, my car was stolen and it was right outside of my house, although I was living on Franklin and Rodney. And it's, yeah. that's not that it was a dangerous place, but it's basically... Yeah, but that's, that's good for yeah, uh, it's car good theft. For, exactly. And the crazy thing about that was that night, uh, my mom and I, I was like, we were watching TV and we heard something outside and my mom joked and she goes, oh, they're stealing your car. And I, I looked out of the window and it was, I was our neighbors. And so I knew, and I was like, ha ha. 
woke up the next morning and my car was gone. <laughs> so it's like weird that she made that joke and then it actually happened. But I have, I have that same steering wheel lock and it's not the kind, it's not that red thing that goes across the steering wheel. It's, it's something that attaches to your brake and to your steering wheel. And oh, okay. um, so I've had that thing since the 80s. And so while I was at my mother's house, I used it. And, and I, you know, I, I said, because she, my mother knows how I am. I'm like, I, I, I don't know if, again, it's not so much paranoia. It's just like, if there's precaution, I'm going to take it. So uh, I told her, I said, well, I'm just going to put this on because I had taken my mom to the hospital. And then, you know, we pulled into her driveway and I said, I'm just going to put my steering wheel lock on because you never know. Plus, we had taken right. a walk around her block and it, and it looked like um, there's a street that's not necessarily residential. There's not houses on the street. There's just basically a sidewalk. And then the houses are down, um, down, like, how can I say, the streets that cross this particular street. And then across from it is a big field. And so there was broken glass all over the road. And my mother said, oh, it looks like somebody, you know, smashed a car. And it's, it would be unlikely that they would do it in her neighborhood because everybody would hear it. And it's, you know, it's a pretty tight neighborhood. They all know each other. They, when my mom was walking around after her operation, you know, I was, it's so funny because that's the other thing on the East Coast. They call everybody Miss or like, the, like her, my mom is Miss Anne. And it's like, oh, my God, that is so not what I'm used to. But there was a sweet, there's a sweet neighbor, and she was like, Miss Anne, Miss Anne. And it was like, oh, my God, that's so weird to me. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, but so everybody knows each other, and they all say hi. So if somebody's car, you know, if the window was broken, everybody yeah. would be looking out. But still, it's just like I take the precaution. And that's how I feel about COVID. So it's like I washed my fucking groceries on the one thing that I stopped doing around the time I went to my mom's house after I had my first shot was two weeks after I had my first shot I stopped washing my hair anytime I went into any kind of establishment I would wash my hair no matter what the fuck I did which I hated because I just felt like um I didn't want to go anywhere just because yeah. I felt like if I walk into a place and I, I had the knowledge that it, most people were masked or everybody was masked and the likelihood of you know something getting caught in my hair because like in my my mind it's like okay well what if there's a droplet in my hair and then I touch the droplet and then touch my nose so that you know it's like it didn't matter that the chances might have been so fucking low it's just something I did not want to risk so it's just the weirdest feeling now that it's like okay tomorrow Wednesday I'm good and yeah it's it's what the what's promising right now and what seems to be proving to be true and we will certainly no more by the fall because yeah. more people getting vaccinated yes, yes. it seems that vaccinated people even if they get covid it's difficult or not quite impossible at this point it's but it's very difficult for us to give it to somebody else right that's the thing and, yes and that's what's going to quash this is if yeah. i get it and i'm around you i can't give it to you yeah yeah only unvaccinated people that have it technically could give it to me mm-hmm and so that's what quashes disease is mm-hmm. the vaccinated people don't give it to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's starting, I mean, there's preliminary studies. I mean, millions of people have been vaccinated now and look, the cases are going down. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go figure. Just the, just like the non-scientific observation is this is probably holding true because it holds true in other cases, yeah. but because this is a new disease, right. we need to take it differently yeah but i would imagine by the fall uh certainly by the end of the year 
there will be actual proper studies done on vaccinated people versus unvaccinated people that have it and and how much viral load is in you if you have caught like Mm -hmm. the eight guys on the yankees all right Mm -hmm. let's see what the viral load is hey bill maher will you give us your blood Mm -hmm. and your saliva let's test your ass you Mm -hmm. fuck um (laughs) i'm sorry was that out loud um (laughs) but i'm like woohoo go jody (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know anybody that's that's caught it even if they're vaccinated, to me, if I, God forbid, so far as far as I can tell, I have yet to have caught it. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, I will never catch it. Right. But if I were to catch it, I would be like, who do I need to give my saliva to mm-hmm. to add to these studies? Yeah, right. That's a good I'm point. Because I'm happy yeah. to do that. Here's my antibodies. What do you need? Yeah. Because you're so responsible. You know. You're such a responsible responsible american patriot <laughs> well i mean it's just it's like I'm, I'm why being wouldn't ridiculous you, this, but yes uh, this one woman i know that lives back east she lives in dc um she got covid a year ago last march so she was an early catcher of mm-hmm. it she and her daughter both got it yeah and um she had hardcore antibodies up until like October of last year. Oh, really? Interesting. I mean, she was donating her blood constantly. Yeah. So she's part of that the group of people that, like Tom Hanks and his wife yeah. and others, that donated their blood to get the the protocols now that they're using antibodies mm-hmm. for people that are ill. Um, wow. And so I believe she was interviewed the other day locally. I'm not sure if it was national, but locally, like on the ABC affiliate, mm-hmm. about her coat because she's a long hauler on top of it all. Mm. Um, but she's been vaccinated, so she feels better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, she was donating blood because why not? Exactly. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, I, I've been saying that until, you know, th- there's all this, let's get back to ever normal. Let's just run back to normal. And it's like, no, because we're still in it. Not everybody's vaccinated. Plus, this is a new vaccine. This is this is something new for us. So we have to see how it goes month to month and i it's like i agree with you by the end of the year by even fall we're going to have a much better understanding of what is truly safe and what is more risky we're just still in it you know i mean it just even though people started getting vaccinated back in january we're still in the midst of this and you know i mean it was just a month ago that it was hard to find an appointment now they're everywhere But, you know, it's like it was difficult to find an appointment and I was stressing out about it. And then fortunately, I got one. And then it was just so funny that uh, Bob got his like the it was the week after me, but then the day after me for the second shot, because Pfizer's only three weeks in between. So um, but you know what? I want to switch this this conversation into something else, because there is something and it's not necessarily my favorite, but it's something that we were talking about online the other day. let me see. It's that guy who was running against Liz Cheney. And oh, the one who's, who raped the 14-year-old yes. and then got her pregnant and then she killed herself at 20? Yeah, because they were like Romeo and Juliet. Um, his name is Anthony... Our, it, wait, it's Anthony Bouchard. Yes, Anthony Bouchard. You're just always... You fucking know everything. But um, <laughs> you're so smart, Jody. Um, <laughs> you're always like so prepared and smart. That's why you're easy like Sunday morning. But... Um, <laughs> So, okay, now there are two ways I look at this situation, and I I feel like, like, for instance, when I lost my virginity, I was 16 and he was 18. So, legally speaking, um, yeah, he was of age and I was not. So, it was statutory rape. And Mm -hmm. I'm the one who initiated, I mean, he wanted it. So, it was already clear that he wanted it. But it was, and I initiated it because I wanted to keep him. I felt like if I had sex with him, but I also felt ready. 
In fact, right. I had initiated sex um, sometime before that, and it didn't work. It wouldn't go in. And the funny thing is, is that I, when I collected stories for the Virgin Diaries, my book, I found that I was not alone. I didn't realize this was an issue that other people experienced that the first time it just wouldn't go in. And um, so it didn't happen. And I, and I sensed that the guy I was with was kind of disappointed. So, of course, I wanted to please him and I wanted to keep him. And I did feel ready. Like I was not afraid or freaked out. And I had been. It was something that I when I wasn't ready, it was I was not ready. But right. um, I felt like, OK, I can handle this. Um, so, yeah, he was he was older and I did consent. But I feel like it's a it's kind of tough when it's 18 and 14, but even if you're going to go with that stretch, even if you're going to go with that stretch, um, I think the most important thing to take away from this is this is a patriarchal mindset and it is not good for the young girls. Now there could be reversed. And I, I can't imagine any situation where an 18 year old girl is going to have sex with a 14 year old boy. And I'm sure maybe it's happened over the course of history, but I think there would be more situations where it would be the, the older, the boy, you know, the boy would be older and the girl would be younger. And 14 is just too young. And I don't care what year it is. It's too yeah, young. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I was 17. I think I was the only virgin in my high school class, <laughs> no. graduating class. I think I might, Laura Dern may have been because oh, she's wow. younger than I am, because <laughs> she was only like 16 and a half when mm -hmm. we graduated and I was 17 and a half. Yeah. She's a very smart lady. Mm -hmm. um, smarty pants, Dern. Um, <laughs> and you're a smarty pants, too. a really too. nice lady, by the way. She's <laughs> awesome. Um but and I don't know that, so I don't know why. I, but I know I for sure was a virgin mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> when I graduated <laughs> high school. Um, so I I lost my virginity that summer mm -hmm. to a guy that was nineteen. Mm -hmm. Jamie Renshaw um, <laughs> in a mo in a hotel motel kind of. Yes, me too. I did hotel um, motel in, in Kona. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, I was uh, my my uh, my graduation present from my parents was to go back to Hawaii for like a month. Uh -huh. So I went to the Big Island for a few days, on Oahu for like three weeks, living with a friend of Carrie's, and I went to Maui. You know, I was all over the place. Yeah. And so Jamie, I met him, and we had the sex. And it hurt. <laughs> yes, like it did. It did fucking, fucking hurt. ripping pain is what I like to call it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, tampons, nothing like that, uh, no. <laughs> ever happened. Um, and then he was really, um, really weird and possessive. And I'm like, huh. dude, you're 19. We just had sex. What the fuck's wrong? I'm like, yeah. I'm like the dude in this situation. Like, <laughs> calm the fuck down. <laughs> you know, I cannot wait to leave the Island kind of thing. Wow, yeah. His birthday is Valentine's Day. I remember wow. that. Um, <laughs> so for me, 17 was like, it was kind of like little darlings, just get it over with. Right. Um, yeah. And I was Christy McNichol. That's weird. <laughs> I love, love, love that movie. So <laughs> I love that um, movie so much. I've seen it I'm, twice. I'm, the, I'm the gay actor in the movie. Anyway. Um, Are you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I, I just, 14 just seems. It's too young. I think it's too young. I mean, at, when I was 15, I was like, yeah, I could do it. Mm -hmm. But nobody wanted to. There was that. Right. Um, 
14 does seem to, I know girls that lost their virginity at 13. Yeah, me too. I, in fact, in my book, there was a girl, I, I worked with her, so I knew her, and she shared her story, and she was j- not even 13. She was like yeah. at the end of 12, and her right. boyfriend was the same age, and they, they were together, and they decided they were ready, and they were happy. Like, there was no regrets, and everything was fine, and their relationship ship stayed intact for however long it stayed intact but i think that's a little different because that is it is because age is different like yeah. if you're if you're like i believe the girls that i knew that were 13 to 15 mm-hmm. the guys were within a year yeah and and so while parents might have a hard time with that i don't necessarily have a hard time and the other thing that i kind of want to throw in there is there were a couple of men when i was let's say 17 um i had already had sex and there were a couple of adult men who I, thankfully they never took advantage um, Mm -hmm. because I think that would be wrong for them to do. But I was, I was totally willing to give them my consent and um, I wouldn't have had, I would have not been traumatized by it or anything like that. But I mean, depending, everything went fine um, and they weren't jerks to me, but they were not only were they inappropriate because they were too old they were inappropriate for other reasons. You know, I'm not going to get into who they were, but it was like, no, stay away from that man. <laughs> not good, yeah. not good. And, but you know, you're young and you get all full of yourself. And for me, I was, I had always been really such a, a geek. You know, I mean, I was used to being a geek. I had thick glasses. I had been overweight and I was never the girl that the boys liked. So when I kind of swanned out and recognized that I was good looking and then on top of it I had sexual power it was I mean that was a big deal having sexual power having this like when when it's new to a young girl and I see it with all the young girls it's like when you start getting breasts when you start getting curves when you start being of age um looking like a woman and the way men look at you it's I can only speak from my experience and what I've seen in other girls, but it's like we strut our shit. (laughs) It's like, look at me. And uh, you get really, really, I mean, I remember there was this one man, and now this was not one of the men. I was still too young, and I was not even interested in sex, but I think I was 14. And there was this man that my mom and her friend knew, and we went over to, I don't remember why we went to his house, but he was very good looking and he was an actor and he he was flattering he, he said the flattering things about me but not in a gross way he said them right. in a way like he knew my mom was there and you know he wasn't being a pig he was just like oh my god your daughter is just so beautiful and I remember when we left my mother and my mom's friends were kind of laughing at him going oh my god he was so in love with Kimberly and I was like I felt so like I was the movie like I was Marilyn Monroe you know, I felt mm-hmm. all this power. So, but it's like, I, I feel like um, just because you're a young girl and you're willing to have sex, it doesn't mean that an older man, um, especially one who is past that age, right, should should go for it. It's, it's it's Same with women. You know, I mean, you've got that Mary Kay Letourneau situation. Right. Well, her, wasn't he 13? I think so. And yeah, and Come she was on. a full on adult. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't even like in that questionable age of eighteen or nineteen. It was yeah. She was it wasn't a like he adult. was like sixteen and she was twenty-two. Mm-hmm. 
She yeah. was like 31, wasn't she? Like, or yeah, something she like was that? like an older older woman for him, and he was just a little boy, and that was wrong. It was just wrong. Yeah. And so it's like I've seen both sides of the argument on social media, and I, and I totally get it, you know, but I feel like the, the bigger picture comes to it should never be that, especially with a patriarchal um, setup, which is what we have and what we still have, I, th- I think it's a patriarchal idea that, you know, men would marry a 15-year-old. Right. I mean, this wasn't that long ago. No. It, you know, I mean, I know and things were And this is weird. Different. I mean, and then him referring to it as Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Did he not read Romeo and Juliet? I know. I know. <laughs> or at least see the fucking movie. <laughs> all, all of the movies. Pick exactly. One. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, I mean, it's something that like I, of course, was vocal and said that's rape. And I think it should be. And and, and I'm torn, though, because like I am willing to forgive. Like at the time it was if it's like if it was accepted at the time, how do we handle it now? And, you know, I mean, I remember when um, Animal House came out and I saw that. Oh, yeah. And the teenage girl and the high school student and. Yes, high school student. Yes, and then when that girl just comes through the window and she's passed out, and Uh she's landing there, and the guy is sitting there determining whether or not he was going to basically rape her, and he had the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, or whatever it was, or, and so no one at that time made a big deal. It would be a huge fucking deal right now, and so it's like, do you want to go back and scold that film because that was it was wrong, but it was accepted at that time. And well, it was accepted not only in that time, but in the time period that the movie represents. Yes, yes, true, exactly in the '60s, because I was like in the late '60s, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was the it was the mid to late '60s. It was when the movie takes place, right. I believe. Yeah, and so you've got to remember, it's like it's like as horrid as the rape scene in Gone with the Wind is. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. The 1850s, right. 1860s. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like, it. it's horrific, but that was just, we can't, it's hard to judge based yes. on social mores now, like, like editing my mom's show. Hi, Eno. You are just being <laughs> weird. The dog's in the house. Hi, buddy. Aww. Hi. Hi, Hi oh, Eno. Thank you for the kisses. Um, no, you can't sit on me and be dominant right now. Um, uh, like I, when I was editing the first five years of my mom's show, which started in 1967, there is this sketch that, and Flip Wilson was the guest star. Oh wow, I loved Flip Wilson. And he plays an alien <laughs> that comes down to the planet, and he ends up in this really small southern town at a police station. And so my mom is one of the. I forget, I forget whether she's been arrested or whatever, and then he shows up, and then Harvey plays the sheriff or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the, the joke at the end, basically Harvey comes back in blackface. Oh, wow, right. As punishment. Right. Which, first off, is uh, poignant as well as, oh, my God, why is he in blackface? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I, I watched it. Now, this show aired, so I'm not talking out of school. Mm-hmm. But when I watched the sketch, I said to Mom, I said, we can't air this now. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's, it's Flip Wilson, you know, notwithstanding being in the sketch, right. we can't air this now. This is an inappropriate sketch to mm-hmm. air 
in 2018. Mm-hmm. In 1968, it was a perfectly right. acceptable ending of a sketch. Yeah. And she goes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Because in 2018 eyes, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was wrong then. Yes. It wasn't right then. But, but it was accepted. It was acceptable then by audiences mm-hmm. and by writers and by the powers that be because that's just how it was. Mm-hmm. Not that that was right. It just was acceptable behavior um, for a laugh. Yeah. Um, hi, baby. And uh, so I was, and there were a few things that I had to like, you know, certain things that she said on a Q&A where I liked what was going on, but this one thing that she said, which was perfectly acceptable thing to say, where I muted it, and unless you read lips, you don't know what she's saying. <laughs> um, and certain other things, you know, and it's just like, that can't happen. Mm-hmm. And she, I would call her up and go, what do you think? She goes, yep, use your judgment. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, yes, these are funny sketches. Yes, these are funny bits, but not acceptable now. Yeah, I mean, it's also like with the bref- Breakfast Club because... Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Molly Ringwald's yes. like, I can't show my kids this. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, it's something that you don't necessarily think about at the time because nobody right. saw problems with it. And, I mean, yeah, I, I will say this. The teenage boys... Uh, not that I'm making excuses for them because they do not deserve excuses, but but they are just so fucking hyped up on their testosterone they're oh, going yeah. through puberty and they're like walking hard-ons <laughs> you know and it's like and it's not their fault um behavior yes they can control but the feelings that they're having in their body are you know affecting their behavior and right. and if they're not taught to behave a certain way then it becomes expected behavior and I think that's how we saw it it was like oh the boys will be boys type thing especially when Judd Nelson was under the desk and he put his head right in the middle of her her knees and you could basically right. see her panties and you know I mean I'm not against putting something like that in a movie because you know I just watched uh I don't. I'm. I, I'm sure you've seen that sketch uh, from Saturday Night Live when Garrett Morris was in jail and they were doing. Oh God, what was it called? It was. I can't remember. It's something. Fall. Death Row Follies. And so this was Lauren Michaels' idea, and basically he told the cast, "Okay, just go figure out whatever your death row folly is," and. So Garrett Morris was like, fuck, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. And he had remembered that he saw this show, and I, it might have been Steve Allen. I don't know who it was, but whatever, was doing this show, and, and he, they would pick women from the – or pick people from the audience, and they would do their thing. So this one woman was picked, and long story short, she sang this song called, I'm going to get me a shotgun and kill the, all the N-words I see. So Garrett, oh, wow. Yeah, Garrett Morris um, – and he said at the time, everybody was laughing. And he said, so when he came up to do these death row follies, he does this famous sketch where he sings, I'm going to get me a shotgun and kill all the whiteies I see. And, um, oh my God, it's so fucking funny. And, and, you know, and he, and so he went on about it and it it was, it was kind of shocking. You know what I mean? And, um, uh, I'm going to get me a shotgun and kill all the whiteies I see something about, so they don't bother me. And he said, you know, he took it from that woman in the audience and, and he, he specified, he goes, you know, I really think it's important that when you're, when you're dealing with fiction or any kind of entertainment, you cannot hide or pretend that that doesn't exist. Right. And, and, you know, and I totally agree. And it's like, if you write the N word in a story, or if you write a rape and a story, whatever it is, I don't think there has to be a learning moment from it. 
it just represents people. And well, I don't think it should be. Did you watch any of the ABC re redos? I, I don't know, uh, recreations or um, whatever with um, Good Times. And I think I, all I did. See, yes, I saw the All in the Family. I don't think I can't remember if I saw the Good Times. There was uh, no. It was a Jeffersons episode. Excuse okay. me. They've done all of them, but there was a Jeffersons episode that they did, and. Um, in the episode that aired in the 70s, um, they used the N-word as the word. Right. And when they redid it, they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the word, it's not like the word wasn't, no, baby boy, it's okay, let's, it's okay, Aww. it's just Marsha, it's just Marsha, come here, come here, bud, go outside. Attaboy, go bark out there. Go on, go get him. Uh, and it, it was a, the way the word was used in the 1970s was offensive. Yeah. That's why they used the right, word. Right, right. But for some reason, our sensibility, and I'm not like, I'm not against, you know, the right way to use things yeah. now, but there were, the word wasn't used as a throwaway word or yeah. as you read it in in um, books mm-hmm. or anything where it's just how people talk. Mm-hmm. This was a specific reason to use that word because it's Norman Lear and he knew what the fuck yes, he was doing. Right. And so to not use it now loses its power. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. As an offensive word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's like we have to hold a mirror up. That's what, that's what, that's what fiction is about in many cases. Right is about, you know, mirroring what's going on. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not about glorifying it or, and I'm not saying that I would be interested in seeing anything glorified, anything like, I don't want to see rape glorified. Of course not. Right. Um, of course not. And that would be looked, you know, frowned upon or more than frowned upon. But I think it's very important. I mean, there was that scene in, I mean, well, of course there was the movie with Jodie Foster. What was that movie? Oh, uh, The Accused. The Accused. I mean, that was a horrible scene. But I mean, that scene really made the movie. You know, it, well, yeah. it, it, it showed you where, you know, it helped you understand where she was coming from. And there was also that terrible fucking rape scene in, in The Sopranos when uh-huh. the Dr. Melfi was in the stairs, which is every woman's fucking worst nightmare. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's just horrifying and scary. And, and I think that, it, you know, we need to have reality in our fiction. Um, well, you know what bothered me, though? And it bothered me when it happened, and they addressed it years later, but in General Hospital. Oh, right. When Luke raped Laura. Luke rapes Laura. Yeah, full-on rape, And it's too. a rape scene, yeah. and she is raped. And yeah. you, there is no, I had sex and didn't want to right. about it. She was raped. raped. Yeah. And then they have this love story. Yeah. And it's like, no. Yeah. They, How gone with the wind is that? Exactly. No. Yes. That's not, no. And they did, they did address it late. In fact, I watched a documentary on soap operas. I saw the same thing. I saw it. I saw it. And they, and they, <laughs> Anthony Geary and, and Jeannie Francis talked about that. Yeah. Cause like later on in like the nineties or whatever, she wanted to confront that because she's like, why the fuck would my character? Cause she was damaged obviously. Yes. But it's like they did sort of confront it as well as they could. But even Anthony Geary said when they did all of that, he's like, I, Luke didn't understand that he did anything wrong. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. and it's like I, I remember Chaz Pazienza talking mm-hmm. to Bob about date rape years ago, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Most likely, I've done that." Wow. And I would imagine a lot of men did without realizing it. Mm-hmm. Just pressuring. Yeah. Pressuring, yeah. I mean, and that's that's part of it. I mean, I felt you know it was. I have my famous story, and I wasn't even pressured. But I met this guy at a party, and I liked him, and I drove him home, and it was late at night, and it was like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and I, I did not want the night to end, so I went into his apartment, and then I, I was in the situation where he's given me the eye, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, he's going to want sex now, and what if, he's, what if I say no, and he rapes me, and I don't want that scar. I don't want a rape scar on me, so I will consent, and he wasn't even pushing me that hard. It right. was just it was just that I recognized that women get raped and I didn't want to find out. I didn't want to struggle. I didn't want to be afraid. And I did think he was cute. I was not mentally ready to have sex with him at that point. I mean, I right. had I wasn't a virgin or anything. I was in my 20s, but I I didn't know him well enough. I thought he was really cute and I was having a lot of fun with him. And, you know, in the end, it turns out I don't believe he would have raped me because I actually went on a date with him once when I was in my 40s and it it didn't work then either. But, um, you know, he he, I don't think he was a rapist. I think he would have been disappointed and he might have put the, you know, the whole oh, poor me thing on. But outside of that, I don't think I would have been raped. But it was just the idea that, you know, and I mean, I was fortunate because I didn't really. And then there was another guy and he was not a rapist, but he came over and he was this guy that I met at a at a trade show. And it was uh-huh. so fucking boring. And so, you know, and he was cute and he was younger than me and he was Israeli. And he kept telling me that he wanted me to come live in a kibbutz. And I was like, this is never going to happen. But um, <laughs> but I mean, he was very cute and very sweet and he kept telling me how impressive I was and it was like it was such an ego boost and everything and I and then like I go back I think I was I met him in San Francisco or something it was like a work trip and so he came down to LA and it was a totally different story like I, I we met and I don't know what the fuck he was wearing some stupid outfit and he smelled like beef and he just didn't have the same appeal as when we were in the you know conference center <laughs> and, right. and I was bored out of my mind and so we go on this I don't know we spend the day together and we wind up back at my house and I so desperately wanted him to leave and I didn't like him anymore I'm like the, the rose is off the bloom I'm not interested and I'm just please fucking leave please leave and he wouldn't leave and he wouldn't leave and he wouldn't leave so I just basically like okay I'll fuck you if I fuck you will you leave <laughs> and that was kind <laughs> of like my mindset and so he finally left and the funny thing was that he called me like the next day and he was totally enamored of me and in love with me. I mean, he wanted me to move to Israel and live on a kibbutz with him. If that's the right word, I think that's right. Anyway. Um, so, uh, I had to tell him I'm not interested in you. And I remember it was like, he was so broken from that. And I felt so sorry for him. And I mean, it was short lived. I got on with my life, but, uh, you know, I just remember he was really upset, but, but I just fucked him. So he'd leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can't that's not a rape situation and I wasn't pressured but right. but still I know you know they there are certain men who in those circumstances they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and you just I think in some cases women feel like I have to do this because if I don't do this I'm afraid of what might happen yeah there's there's a multiple there's probably multiple layers depending yes. on the situation but yeah I mean there was a guy that that I knew in college and we God, I don't even remember the class. We were in a class together, and we had to do a project together. And 
and he came over to my apartment. Nice guy, good looking, you know. Um, but we were drinking hmm. and starting to work on stuff, and then something he just changed. Hmm. His and I, I where my my apartment was set up. There was the front door opened, um, and the living room was to the right. The kitchen was straight ahead from the front door, and then the living room to, was to the right, and then kind of you turn another right and there's like a little small hallway to the left was the bedroom and then to the right was the bathroom. So the bathroom wasn't attached to the bedroom, but both doors locked. Mm -hmm. And so I got up, I went to the bathroom and I said, I'll be right back. And I went into the bedroom and I locked my door Hmm. and I was like, you need to go home. And he started banging on the door and he goes, why? And I said, you just need to go home. Wow. And, and I had a phone in there Mm -hmm. just in case. Yeah. I mean, I had two. I had the phone in the living room, and I had a phone in in the the bedroom too. And I was ready. I was like, because he kept banging on the door, and I said, "No, you need to go home now." Yeah. And he finally left. And mm. then the next day, he called and apologized because I'm so sorry. And I said, "We wow. just need to not let's work at the library kind right. of thing, you know." Yes. Um, but there was just something came over. He changed. His mm-hmm. personality changed. And I was like, "Okay, that can't. Something's not right." Hmm. And I was lucky. Yeah, I mean, God, it's just, we've all had similar situations, I mean, some worse than others, but there's a certain pressure that's put on, and, you know, I go back to that story, and I feel like, I feel slightly, no, I don't want to say guilty, I don't feel guilty, I I, I don't want to be too hard on someone for what was acceptable, but I can't imagine um, this man whose age I don't know, but he's not the oldest man in the world. Um, Right you know married a girl at 15 and i and and he thought he was doing right by her because she got pregnant um and i don't know what their situation was as far as sex did he pressure her into it i mean there's a good likelihood but who knows she might have been all you know saying yeah i'm ready um and that doesn't necessarily mean she was ready but it doesn't mean she wasn't either i don't know i can't speak for those people because i wasn't there but it's a very hard situation i just i just think the big takeaway again is is we have to get out of this mindset and I think it's still there um, that I mean look at Woody Allen you know it's the older man younger woman fantasy which is really not about you know Woody Allen made it acceptable because the girls wanted it and they were crawling all over the guy and it's like well well, how am I supposed to say no to this and you know and it's every man's fantasy and you know take away there are a lot of men out there who are Woody Allen defenders who um, I am not a Woody Allen defender. But um, I think he's guilty. I think he raped his daughter. And I think he's a disgusting human being. And it's, Yeah, once it's, I saw the documentary, I was like, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the documentary was really repulsive. But I still just could never get past the fact that he married Soon Yi. And you know, what he did. You know, it's the strangest thing. Is they're still married. I know they are. I, they're still married. And the thing is, is that... You know, I mean, but it's like he, as Amanda, who's been on my show, mentions, like he groomed her, you know, from a young age. And she was going up to his apartment and fucking him when she was in high school. Mm -hmm. And he groomed her. She was a kid who. Which is odd, though. It's like usually when a guy does that, Mm -hmm. that relationship doesn't last much longer Mm -hmm. than their mid 20s. And she's in her 30s at least now, right? At least, at least. Yeah, I mean, they're still together. And. You know, whether she loves him or thinks she loves him, I mean, that's their thing. But the fact that, you know, he had taken such graphic photographs of her yeah. for Mia to find, 
um, that is uh, when I heard that I believed Mia right away and I just thought okay something is very wrong with him and then hearing what Dylan had to say and all the other yeah. people who matched up that story um, he's disgusting but when you when they went back and they took a look at his all of his work you know it mm-hmm. was all based in the older man with the younger girl and I never saw I fucking never saw the one Manhattan I never saw that movie and I I wonder if I still wonder what would I have thought would I have gone along like everyone else did and thought it was okay and thought it was like you know Chez also that was his favorite movie mm-hmm. and so you know I mean I, you know there's an acceptable thing and it doesn't mean it's right but I but I feel like it should never be acceptable that a, 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 a somebody at least 18 years old is having sex with a 14 year old and marrying a 15 year old. It's just not right. No matter what time you're in. And it's hard for me because he's a Republican. I, I, I think I would feel the same way if it were a Democrat. Uh, I, I would feel like that's wrong. Whatever age he is in his sixties looks like maybe fifties or sixties. I don't know. It's hard to determine. Um, mm-hmm. But that wasn't that long ago. Well, and also it, it, what, Obviously, she wasn't well because she ended up killing herself. Mm-hmm. So, yes, <laughs> there was something not right about this young girl. Yeah, to begin with, and then to force her to most likely force her, her parents and mm-hmm. or him. Yes, to Society. give birth. Right. Um, at that tender young age, mm-hmm. when you're not ready. Yeah, I don't. I don't care when we were in, you know, covered wagon days. We weren't ready. No, no, we were not ready. And, you know, I, I imagine there are men who are listening to this who are like, oh, well, I was 18 and I was having sex with a 15-year-old. Or I was, and it's like, I, I'm still going to say, like, I had sex with an 18-year-old when I was 16. That is statutory rape. Um, Technically, it is, yes. Yeah. I mean, we were closer in age than 14 and 18, which I do think there's a differentiation. I really I do. do. That there, it's it's one thing when the girl is even 15, 15, 16, 17. Um, that's a little bit different. But I mean, that's for me, that's my personal take on it. That's all it is. It's my personal take. Not every 15 right. year old is ready to have sex. I was not. And I mean, it was a, I had sex a year and a half. Well, I, I would say after 15 years, so like 16 and a half is when I had mm-hmm. sex. And again, I felt ready. I was not, and I did not feel ready before that. I was not fucking ready. And I knew it. And so, you know, I don't want to come across to the men on who might be listening and think, hey, wait a minute, do you think I'm a rapist? It's not that. It's that I feel like it is considered, it is, you know, it, in that age difference, something was... <sighs> maybe it was socially acceptable, but there's something wrong with that. That's kind of young. And I certainly engaged in behaviors when I was younger that were not good. were not healthy. So I don't want to sound like, Oh, I'm just so great. And I'm pointing my finger at everybody. And you guys are, no, I think when you're young, you tend to make certain decisions that maybe you wouldn't make when you're 50 or when you're 40, (laughs) but when you're young, you make those decisions, but it's, it's just, you know, when you look at this, the patriarchal society, and then again with the Republicans and what they're doing and how they're behaving, um, this coming, you know, coming to light, it's just more bullshit like, like it's an acceptable thing because what he's trying to do is glamorize it with a Romeo and Juliet ending. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not it. Actually, Romeo didn't make it, so. That's true. That's true. And, you know, I mean, they, that was also what was like, I don't even know what fucking 
year that was? Wasn't the 1500s? When was Romeo and Juliet? Do you uh, know? I believe Shakespeare is 1400s. Okay, 1400s. Yeah. And so um, that is going back away. And they were away. 13 years old, and it was a, over a weekend. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the, the problems with Romeo and Juliet was not that they were four years apart in age. Right. Uh, they were not. They were the same age. Yes, there you go. And that's another part of it. I think that's just another part of it. And, you know, if I had an 18-year-old son, I would really be upset if he was having sex with a 14-year-old girl. And well, and why the fuck didn't he use a condom? Yes, exactly. There's that, too. But, um... I mean, there's no way he could have assumed that she was on birth control at 14. Right, especially then. I mean, did they even have it then? <laughs> well, I mean, how old is he? He's in his 60s? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. but uh, unmarried women weren't allowed until 1965. Right. Uh, married women were allowed in the 50s. It was 65 when unmarried women were finally allowed to use hormonal birth control. I want to see how We old. haven't been able to use it for that long. Right. And so depending on his age, it would depend on whether, A, she would have been allowed to get birth control at that age being unmarried. But two, parents, 14-year-old girls, are you kidding me? Right. I mean, I, I this is so funny. When my sister, when her daughter... Because uh, she, she went to boarding school, and so her daughter came to her when she was 16, and she said, "Mom, I want to go on birth control." And my sister, way more progressive than I, said, "Okay, are you having sex?" Because I would have had a, I would have fainted, and then after the smelling salts, would have been revived and then fainted again. Yes. Um, but she said, "So, are you having sex?" And and my niece said, "No, I'm not, but just in case." Wow. And so my sister said, sure, let's go. Let's go to gynecologist. Let's get mm -hmm. you checked out. Absolutely. And that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, but, and 16 is young, but again, I, and obviously she was adult enough to go to her mother and say, hey, mm -hmm. you know, there's that also. Um, but yeah, I mean, 14-year-old girls, even 30 years ago, mm -hmm. I don't know any that would have gone to their parents and say, hey, can I be on birth control? I mean, come right. on. Right. No. There's no way he could have expected her not to, to be on birth control, and why the fuck didn't he use a condom? Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to find his age, and it's just I can't find it. Well, how old is Liz Cheney? I don't know. She's in her 50s or 60s, so I, I mean, not it, much yeah. older than we are. No. Let me see. I mean, even if he's 62, I mean, what? That's so he graduated high school. Say, I'm 54. Say, he's 64 years old. She is. He graduated she, high school 54. in 1974. Yeah, she's 54. Okay. There you go. He's around her age. She's my age. Wow. God, she just, she looks like she'd be our mother or older sister. She's though. a hard 54. <laughs> um, but she is a Cheney. Um, she is a Cheney. Wow. Uh, no, I mean, so he's probably, yeah, he probably graduated high school in the 80s. Yeah. Okay, so that, yeah, so did I. <laughs> so yeah that that that's definitely i mean i can definitely say i had a friend who was um sexually active i don't know when she lost her virginity it might have been 13 or 14 um but she also like i i look back i look back on her she was my best friend at the time and she was kind of messed up her parents her mother it was a really weird situation because we um, we met in, in ninth grade, and my mother mm -hmm. met her mother 
and didn't like her. And then her mother was raped. And yeah, it was bad. It was, we lived in, I went, it was, it was Silver Lake. And so the guy, I guess, had been watching the house and he even said to the mom, like, where's your daughter? And she's like, it it was really gross. And, um, and so after, after that rape, she did not want to be alone. And of course she didn't really know very many people. So there was Dina and I, her name was Dina was my friend hung out all the time. So my mom took the mother in and then, and then against my mother's better judgment decided that we would all get a house together. And we did, we got this really cool house in Hollywood, but like her mother, uh, she started like after, after the rape, she you know she kind of got over it or however best she did she didn't talk about it too much with us but then she started bringing men home and Mm -hmm. she would bring a lot of these men home and there was this one man in particular who she was seeing for a while and he said something to both me and dina because at the time we were 14 and he he made it i think he pinched our asses and i think that he said something about our bodies that was really inappropriate but what was really gross was there was one day when the mom said, you know, come into, my, come into our bedroom and they wanted to talk to us about something. So it was me and my girlfriend, Dina, and our other friend, Ginger. So we're all 14 years old. And the mom was sitting, they were both in bed and they were both covered up, um, you know, like the blankets were covering up their genital areas, but her breasts were exposed and his chest was exposed. And while she was talking to us, he was sucking on her fingers. Ew. And it was like, oh, my God, this is so fucking inappropriate. And so it's like I look at my friend Dina, who was having sex at a very early age and going to nudist colonies at a very early age, uh, which I think the nudist colonies made her feel um, I don't know, used to nudity and, and the sexuality well, was there. Well, nudist colonies are, by the way, they are very asexual. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, it was called Echelon. Echelon was the nudist colony that she went to. Um, and But, I mean, she, she had been used to being, like, I, on the other hand, was never going to walk around naked in front of anyone. And she was very comfortable walking around naked. And, um, you know, so... But I mean, those, she, walking around naked is not sexual. No, it isn't. But I, it isn't in nature. But I think that because she felt so comfortable with her body and mm. didn't have the same kind of, like, um, shyness that I had about it, I think that, you know, with her mother and the way that her mother viewed sex and kind of like put it in front of our faces because we got to see it a lot of the time um, with. Yeah, that's inappropriate. uh, I think that, you know, she had a different clearly she had a different mindset and she felt ready at the age of 14 to have sex. And I mean, I didn't ever get from her that she regretted it or anything. In fact, there was this boy that I liked and uh, I guess she might have actually had sex with him. And I liked him, and she told me, and she was really kind to say this. She's like, Kimberly, he's going to want to have sex with you. Are you ready to have sex? Because, if, mm. you know, you're putting it out there that you like him. This is what he's going to expect. And it was like, no, I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so, I mean, I, I don't judge her for her, I don't know what the word would be, but her level of sexuality. It was much earlier than mine, even though we were friends at that same age. 
Um, right. She was out there having sex and I was not. But I look at like how she was brought up and like with her, she was brought up feeling comfortable about her body and her nude body, which I was not. And, you know, I mean, her mother was doing things in front of her that she could plainly see. And there yeah, was see, a... that's more inappropriate than just a, a nudist yeah. camp. I mean, I've been to them and, and, and if you want to feel good about how you look naked, go to a nudist camp. Yeah, really? <laughs> not kidding yeah it's not like the playboy mansion no 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 but 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 again i i think that being naked in front of people helped her just have a i guess a positive Mm -hmm. you know feeling about her body and so sexuality to her even though those nudist colonies were not about sex i think when it did come to sex she didn't have hang-ups about her body she was comfortable right. with it and you know it was something I was not and so um but but I you know I I wondered you know about that like why was she so ready to have sex so early when most girls that I knew at that age were not um, it suggests what you're telling me it suggests to me that her mother doing allowing her to see stuff that yeah. maybe she shouldn't have seen yeah may or may not have been positive but I think it is inappropriate yeah I, I think it was an, it was inappropriate for me. It made me feel extremely uncomfortable. Plus, her boyfriend was kind of, you know, touching us. I don't Ew. remember if he touched me. I think he grabbed her ass. I don't remember. I mean, it was very minor, and I didn't like him, and it was a short-lived relationship because she was kind of going through men. There was just – I don't know if it was because she was raped and – I don't know what was going on in her mind, but she turned out to be a complete fucking villain because she and my mom – I don't know. There, she, she, something happened and I had to go to Maryland for the summer and I actually was starting to get on the outs with my friends Dina and Ginger shit had happened between us and then my mother and her mother there was some kind of feud and her mother got a gun (gasps) after being raped and you know for protection and my mom didn't feel safe in the house and this woman basically got a lock on her door which was funny because she stole all this shit from my mom She's everything that was in our house was my mom's. And later after, you know, my mother eventually moved out and we moved to Torrance, California. This was we were living in Hollywood. We moved to Torrance, California. And then I found out that Dina had they had moved to Hermosa. And so Dina asked me to spend the night one night and I went over there and like all my mom's fucking shit was everywhere. So it's like her mother stole everything. I'm like, oh, that's ours, and that's ours, and that's ours, and that on the wall is ours, and that's – I was like, oh, my God. And and then the last time I saw – well, I would say that I saw her one other time. She invited me somewhere. I was a teenager, and I was – I don't know. She had seen some guy who drove a van, and I agreed to spend the day with them, and something was going on. I don't know. They were doing drugs, and they were drinking, and – I don't know. That wasn't so foreign to me when I was in high school because I was doing drugs and drinking from time to time, but it was usually at night and this was in the middle of the day and they were all fucking wasted. And I was like, I did not feel safe with these people. I didn't like the situation. They were really, um, she was just kind of, I don't know what the word was, but she, she wasn't very educated and she was just like, whatever, like, let's do drugs and let's not give a shit. And I wasn't like that. And so I remember I called my, I I escaped. I said, I have to go to the bathroom and I called my mother and at work and I was like, you need to come get me. And these two women, because my mom worked at a car dealership. So these two women took a, you know, one of the cars from the car dealership who worked there and they came and picked me up. And I, I just, Mm -hmm. I told them I'm going to, you know, meet me here. And I just ditched Dina. And, and, and then I saw her one other time when, um, 
I had met my very first boyfriend and he was living in this house filled with just fucking juvenile delinquents but they were they were probably like 18 there was a whole bunch of guys living there like 18 year old guys and you can just imagine how disgusting that house was I can totally imagine (laughs) (laughs) and there was this guy living in the garage and he had all these tinfoil wrappers in his hair he would like I don't know he would do this thing with his curly hair and he would put the wrappers in his hair and he was living in a garage and Dina was with him and she was all fucked up and I, you know, I was like, oh my God, here she is again. But that was the last time I ever saw her. But anyway, I'm just digressing too much. And actually it's time to wrap things up because as usual, we have been on for God, like two hours. And I thought I only wanted to do it for an hour and a half. (laughs) We know that never happens. I know. I know. I do the same thing with Amanda. It's like, I try so hard. (laughs) I try so hard to meet my own deadline. And then I just don't. <laughs> but anyway, it's always good. And you know what? I did want to talk to you about one other thing, but I'm not going to. And basically, it was just the idea of these Republicans who um, want to take over so that they can't certify Democrats if they win. But that we could save yeah. that for another time because it's not going to go away. And anyway, who needs to hear about that scary shit right now? <laughs> it's, it's yeah, more fun I mean, to the Handmaid's Tale, you know, I'm, I'm watching that again. So there's that. Right. You know what? I, I think I watched one episode, maybe two. Bob couldn't take it. And I can kind of understand why, because I've not pushed him to keep watching it, because it scares me a little bit, Well, I mean, too. the first season ends on an up note, and sort of the second season does. This is season four. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and right now, June is safe. Hmm. Um, and I started to read. I, I haven't started reading it yet, because I'm finishing a book called The Disappearance that you should read, I hmm. think. Um, it was written in 1951, and basically the premise, I've, this is the second time I'm reading it, um, and the premise is these two, this married couple, they're at home um, in Florida, and at the same time, in each other's own universes, they dis- uh, the f- women disappear from men and men disappear from women, hmm. and the timeline goes from there on these two separate paths mm-hmm. until they do end up joining at the end. And so it's almost at the end of the book. It's very interesting. It takes place in the 50s, so it's very, you know, traditional yeah. um, roles of women, though the woman and the man, he's a he's a philosopher, basically, and a professor, and she's also super-duper smart. And there's, there's a scene on the Hudson River with all the women on the planet finding each other. I mean, it's, it's an amazing how uh, he, it's a man who wrote it, tried to figure out how men and women would live differently without each other. Hmm. My dad actually tried to get the uh, rights to the book in the 70s wow. and couldn't because they were sold. Huh. I kind of think this, there should be a film, but it should still be a period piece Yeah, because it does matter. But it's interesting how much gender roles haven't changed yes. in the past 70-plus years versus how much they have, too. Right, yeah. Because um, certain things that happen in the woman's side, like they can't get the weather things going and, you know, very few women can fly a plane, you know, things like that. <laughs> That's not reality now. Yeah. Honey, it's just FedEx. It's just FedEx. Come on. Um, come on. But he's keeping but, um, you Anyway, so I, ju- I actually bought Margaret Atwood's um, sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. Hmm. Wow. Um, that I have yet to start reading because I'm still finishing my second read-through of The Disappearance. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward. And I think that, that what is going on with The Handmaid's Tale is a lot of it has to do with the sequel. Oh, Interesting. Well, one of these days I might watch it. It's just I think I think that I need democracy to have a little bit more strength to it because it's, it's. I don't blame you. <laughs> it's a little too close to home. <laughs> well, I mean, my my brother and sisters 
last year because their mom was Canadian by birth. Uh huh. So legally, right. they could get yes. Canadian citizenship. Yeah. Um, they all got it. Wow. Yeah, that's, I, that is on the top of my, you know, back, I should say back of my head where it's like, hmm. And I kind of like the idea of um, Vancouver because of the fact that it's on the West Coast. And oh, like, it's beautiful. I have yeah. friends that live there. It's beautiful. And I've never been there, but I know it's beautiful. And I know the weather would be more um, preferable than Toronto. So, yes. um, or even Ontario because it gets so fucking cold there. But anyway, um, but, you know, I just, I'm so grateful that you were on the show. I always love when you're on. And, and I, I don't just say that to kiss your ass. I genuinely do. And <laughs> you're so sweet. <laughs> and you're always so prepared and you know fucking everything. So, but it's fun talking to you. And, of course, I, you know, I had a few things listed that were political, although we did hit COVID and we did talk about. We did about, hit COVID and we hit, we hit, um, what's his face? Bouchard. Yeah, Bouchard. So we did get some political things in there and I'm glad. So there's that. But <laughs> before you go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? You can stalk me at, uh, <laughs> at on Twitter at from the bunker jr, um, and then I have a Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash from the bunker, and then our from dash the dash bunker dot com, our regular website, which I'm going to switch over to something else. I need to talk to Bob about that because <laughs> Jetpack freaked my website out uh, oh, wow. two weeks ago, and it just went down, and now people are trying to hack into it. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm getting warnings from WordPress going, yeah, 12 attempts at this IP address wow. tried to get in and 15 at that. I'm like, whoa, when did yeah. that start? Yeah. Um, That's at least freakish. they're warning me and they're not letting them in. But exactly. uh, somebody's trying to get I don't know why. I don't. There's no monetary thing on that website, so huh. I don't get it. That's so um, but, and other than that, that's it, you know? And awesome. I'm on Stephanie Miller's show on Tuesdays in the Bob Seska show. I don't know if you've heard of him, Kimberly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. podcast called The Bob Seska <laughs> Show that I'm on on Thursdays. You should check it out. I will. Bob Seska. <laughs> yeah. Bob Cheska, as I like to call Bob him. Bob Cheska, which is the appropriate way to yes. pronounce his last name. Bob Cheska, that's what I like to say. Um, yes, and of course you can find me at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L. E-Y, don't forget that extra E, and you can find all my books on Amazon. As I mentioned, I did uh, work with my mother. We did The Virgin Yay. Diaries. Um, we did The Virgin Diaries, and we did Ain't No Sunshine, Men Repe Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak, but I also wrote Peyton's Choice, which is a book about teen abortion, so there's that, and American Woman, there's that one too, so there's four books to choose from. Go visit my Amazon page, and if you like this show, if you like my books, if you like Jody's show, we all need good reviews, so please give us good reviews. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being on the show, Jody. My pleasure, Kimberly. Always good to talk to you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.